Good evening, everyone. My name is Devin, and I am the Social Engagement Manager here at Broad Street, and I am so happy to see all of you here in worship. Uh, two really special things about this Sunday, apart from being the third Sunday in Advent. Tony told me that in almost three years, this is the first time we've ever landed on the same Sunday in worship leadership, uh, and I'm so surprised and grateful and happy uh, about that. Um, and this is a Sunday where we have a text where the Holy Spirit is made known to us by two women. And that's pretty amazing. Uh, so I am excited to get into it with all of you. So before we do that, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we give thanks for this time to join together in worship of you. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds, that we may be ready to hear your word to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations on all our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Folks, we have arrived. It's the third Sunday in Advent. Christmas is only a week and one day away, and I'm so excited. Uh, and it's been quite a journey throughout this Advent season so far. Uh, within our Advent series, uh, ways of being. Two weeks ago, Alan preached on God with us, how God opens third doors and invites us into relationships with God, especially when hope is hard. We discovered how God opened a third door for Joseph when righteous Joseph was dismayed and torn on what to do when his fiance falls pregnant out of wedlock. When the woman he is about to marry suddenly falls to a disgraceful social status. And God opened a third door. Last week, Michelle meditated on us with God, how God asks us and waits for us to answer God's knock, especially when faith is hard. And as we learn through Mary, how God highly favors and asks something of those of us who society would otherwise deny personhood. Now this week, we're invited to consider ways of being with one another, especially when love is hard. Our scripture today points us to Mary's encounter with Elizabeth. You see, Mary didn't believe her own immaculate conception until the angel Gabriel tells her of the miraculous conception of her relative Elizabeth, who is well beyond childbearing years. Mary and Elizabeth share key distinctions in their miraculous conceptions. Mary, a young virgin, Elizabeth, an elderly barren woman. Mary, pregnant out of wedlock, is thrust into social disgrace while Elizabeth has likely endured decades of shame due to her own infertility. And these two women are brought together in this extraordinary circumstances of their pregnancies, in an extraordinary moment in history. And when they are with one another, the Holy Spirit makes its presence known within Elizabeth's womb. After the angel Gabriel tells Mary of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary rushes to visit her relative, and Elizabeth, feeling the child in her womb leap with the presence of the Holy Spirit, disregards any possibility of being thrust back into social shame by welcoming this young woman. Instead, she welcomes Mary in with open and with loving arms, acknowledging their familial ties and celebrating their togetherness. And in so doing, she encounters the fierce presence of the Holy Spirit. When Mary and God knock on our door and express their needs to us and we open that door like Elizabeth did, 
we enter into deeper relationship with God and with one another, allowing ourselves to love and to be loved. Recently, every spare moment that I have, I've been pouring into a new book called Fearless Dialogues by Gregory Ellison III. I highly recommend it. Uh, and in this book, Ellison discusses how we can put radical hospitality into practice by creating spaces to allow unlikely partners to engage with one another and to share their true selves with one another. Ellison brings in writings from theologians, from social psychologists, from grandmas, and from graduate students. And he brings in Catholic theologian Henry Nouwen, who suggests that spaces of hospitality create unique moments where both, quote, guest and host can reveal their most precious gifts and bring new life to one another. And in our text, we witness this in Mary and Elizabeth's encounter. The extraordinary circumstance of their miraculous conceptions have brought, has brought them together, creating a unique opportunity for host Elizabeth and guest Mary to bring new life, to encounter the Holy Spirit with one another. In a less theological bend and more scientific study, Ellison also reflects in Fearless Dialogues on social psychologist Stanley Milgram's study uh, on familiar strangers in New York City. Essentially, Milgram defines a familiar stranger as a person who you've observed time and time again for a period of time, um, but you've never had any interaction. You never smile at each other, you walk right by, you don't say hey or how you doing as you would in South Philly, um, to the point where it, it becomes awkward that if you were to greet that person, it'd be like, where have you been for two years? Um, I have a person like this in my neighborhood. He's probably in his early 70s. He's very bald. Um, he's everywhere in my neighborhood all the time. I see him at least three or four times a week. I see him at the gym. One time I saw him on Broad Street here in Center City, and that was weird. Um, but he seems to know everyone. I call him Mr. South Philly because he seems to run the neighborhood. Um, he's my familiar stranger. He's someone that I've seen a million times, and I wonder if he's seen me a million times or if I'm just the only one who thinks this is weird. So that's, that's what a familiar stranger is. Um, so throughout the study that Milgram did on familiar strangers in New York City, he witnessed a phenomenon that Ellison discusses and brings back full cir circle to where we landed with Henry Nouwen. Ellison writes that in extraordinary circumstances, tragedies, accidents, celebrations, famil familiar strangers will mobilize to speak to and stand alongside and support each other despite this prior pact of silence that they had. Or these extraordinary circumstances create a moment for familiar strangers to truly encounter one another as neighbor and to encounter one another in a momentous opportunity of transformation. It is in these moments that the light within us, the babes that we all carry in our own wombs, leap with joy as we feel the Holy Spirit. Another way to describe this shift uh, is that in extraordinary circumstances, familiar strangers shift from simply beholding one another, observing or seeing or noticing one another, to being beholden to one another. The shift is being beholding to being beholden to, to holding a semblance of moral responsibility for one another. Milgram offers an example of this shift, which I'll make a little bit more applicable in our Broad Street setting. So let's say Sammy and Michelle over here, they don't know each other, okay? 
They don't know each other, they're, but they see each other every day. They live probably a couple doors down from each other. They see each other passing, coming from work to and from the store. And one day, Sammy gracefully falls on the ice. Um, I've heard that she gracefully falls because she falls a lot. Um, she gracefully falls, and Michelle, not even knowing her name, but knowing that Sammy is her familiar stranger, runs over to her to care for her, um, check on her head that she hit really hard, uh, calls 911, and then accompanies her to the emergency room. Michelle felt beholden to Sammy because they were familiar strangers. She held moral responsibility to make sure that Sammy was okay. So I'd like us to consider this familiar stranger phenomenon on a more macro scale. Less individuals passing on the street and Sammy slipping on ice, and more the extraordinary circumstances that we've experienced this year, uh, socially, in our society, politically, and morally. And how familiar strangers have been beholden to how we treat one another and our neighbors how movements and moments this year have reminded us all of our connectedness and our humanity and our moral responsibility and how we've seen the Holy Spirit move among us. On social media, I'm sure you've all seen, people are beginning to close out 2017. They're posting their year in review videos. Um, they're anxiously, anxiously awaiting the closing of a difficult year, summarizing big moments. Some are doing it pretty seriously, some are doing it pretty satirically, and some people are just writing off 2017 altogether. So let's do something similar. In January of 2017, we first heard of Executive Order 13769, banning the entrance of individuals and refugees from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Sudan, and Yemen. Immediately following the ban, familiar strangers people who may never have met the communities and individuals directly impacted by the ban, were beholden to one another in this extraordinary circumstance. Thousands of people protested at airports across the country, and within weeks, over 50 claims were filed in federal courts around the country to block the order. I was traveling, and I was actually in the Boston airport when I was reading and hearing the news of all of this, and I could feel all of the protesters outside the terminal I was in just flooding the airport with the Holy Spirit. These familiar strangers were standing up and speaking out, and the Holy Spirit was present. In July, a week after announcing a diagnosis of a brain tumor, Republican Senator John McCain voted against his own party's skinny repeal of the Affordable Care Act, which would have left an estimated 16 million Americans uninsured in the next decade and raised premiums for those of us who are insured by 20%. The Holy Spirit was present in Senator McCain's vote as he was beholden to the people of America, not to his party's political agenda. Since October, 45 men in politics, in the entertainment industry, and the media have been fired or resigned after public allegations of sexual harassment. Subsequently, thousands of women have shared their stories in the Me Too movement, and we're witnessing a birth of a culture in which women are supported and empowered to speak up and speak out, and a society in which they're actually heard and believed and honored. When familiar strangers are beholden to survivors of sexual harassment and abuse, the Holy Spirit leaps within us. 
And just this week, black men and women in Alabama voted to prevent a racist, homophobic, and alleged sexual predator from obtaining political power. We witnessed the power of familiar strangers acting beholden to one another, and the Holy Spirit was breathed out in sighs of a relief across the country. This year, this is only a handful, this year has been full of extraordinary circumstances that have made faith and hope and love incredibly hard. Hard to see, hard to feel, and hard to share. And this year has been full of ordinary people, familiar strangers, and unlikely partners beholden to one another, standing up, speaking out, and walking along together. Coming back to our scripture, Mary and Elizabeth's pregnancies were not disconnected, individual extraordinary circumstances occurring parallel to one another. They were each playing their role in a larger extraordinary moment in history, finding God's third door, listening for God's knock, and opening that door when they were respectively ready. They were beholden to God and to one another. Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, fully human and fully divine, who came to subvert the oppressive Roman regime, transform the lives of the disenfranchised and disgraced, to bring about the upside-down kingdom. In this extraordinary moment, Mary and Elizabeth came together in love and hospitality, having both everything and nothing at stake. And as we prepare again for the coming of our Lord and Savior, as we move towards Christmas Eve, and as we begin a new year, let's remain beholden to one another, even when it's hard. Let's remain beholden to our friends and our family and to our familiar strangers. Remain beholden to our leaders and to the people who show up on our doorstep like Mary. Let's reveal our most precious gifts and bring new life to each other. Let's live in Elizabeth's exclamation in our text. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Friends, Christ is coming. The Holy Spirit is here and God is knocking. So when we're ready, let's open that door and enter into deeper relationship with God and with one another, allowing ourselves to love and be known. Before we can be beholden to one another, we must get to know each other and share ourselves. Like Mary came to Elizabeth's door and shared herself, and how Elizabeth saw Mary not as a shameful woman pregnant out of wedlock, and instead as her beholding guest, we are invited to come to one another as blessed guests and welcoming hosts, beholden to each other. This is hard coming to the door and opening it and entering into a beholden relationship with one another takes risk and vulnerability, especially in a world that is consistently trying to tell us who we are, who we should be, and to whom we are beholden. When you came in today, we asked you the question, how does the world see you? So as we approach this third Advent door today, we're going to create a space for you to be brave and to take an opportunity to declare who you are by responding to our next question. How do you want the world to see you? Once the world can know you, then the world is beholden to you. So how do you want the world to see you? 
This Sunday, instead of writing your response down and bringing it to the door by yourself, we invite you to turn to your neighbor and verbally share your response with that person. And then after sharing, write down your responses and then together with your neighbor, come and leave your responses at the door in the basket. Amen.